Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Elizabeth Finch. Elizabeth has sat on the board of directors for Good Muse Animal Foundation in Marietta, Georgia since 2016 and has served as vice president since 2017. She also heads up all marketing and communication efforts, making her a full-time volunteer for the organization. In 2019, she began working to expand their mission beyond rescue and into helping community cats. She served in many areas of the organization, which has provided her with a holistic view. Elizabeth has a versatile background consisting of management, human resources, marketing, and entrepreneurship. Some of her outside interests include cooking and travel, but she also enjoys being a homebody. She and her husband reside in Marietta, Georgia, with their own three feline fur kids. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Stacy. So, first and foremost, let's find out how you developed a passion for cats. I have always loved cats. Ever since I was a child, I had a childhood cat who didn't like me nearly as much as she liked my father. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't really remember a time past that when I didn't have at least one cat. And I ended up getting involved in this. It's a little crazy. I took an early retirement from the corporate world a few years ago. And then when I was in a position to jump back into something regular again, I took the opportunity to do so on a volunteer basis because I had the ability to do that. I'm fortunate to be in the position to do that. I've always loved Good Muse and was a longtime supporter and prior volunteer. So I got involved again with some hands-on cat care and then just didn't look back. So fast forward to today and it's my full-time gig and I love it more than anything I've ever done. That's awesome. That's great. And it's really good that you're able to contribute as much as you do. I know that there are positives and negatives of being sort of the full-time volunteer and understanding the balance between that role as well as the staff role and, you know, how are they the same versus not the same because you're doing the same positions. We might touch upon some of those topics later in the show. But first and foremost, I want to first ask you questions because this is how I got to know about Good Muse was I did a virtual tour of your organization on your website because I had heard that you had a relatively new facility and it looked awesome and it was great and wonderful. So I went in, I checked it on the website and you have a really beautiful looking facility that is quite focused on the cageless environment for cats and kittens. And I know you can't cover the whole virtual tour verbally here, but, you know, tell me a little bit about the shelter and what the goals were when you created it and how it's broken in over the last five years. Well, it's really modeled a little bit after the prior retailers type establishments that that we've had in the past. We've always been a cage-free environment since our inception in 1988. That's really what our founder had in mind and envisioned, and that's what we have carried forward for the last 32 years. So what we have is we have the shelter is kind of split into half and half and one entire half of the building is devoted to the cat specifically. So we have a kitten room and that has its own separate air system because as we all know, kittens, their immune systems aren't quite as strong as the adults. 
So we want to just make that a little bit a little bit easier on them. When you go into the adult room, that spans just about the length of the shelter and it's bright and beautiful. We have walls of windows that provide hours upon hours of enrichment, which we call cat TV. We have special needs rooms down our hallway and that allows for our residents who may have some special dietary needs. Occasionally, there's a behavior problem child in there, but that allows them to still experience that cage-free environment without necessarily having access to the food that we free feed or food that they cannot have access to. Or if it's a case in which they don't need to have access to other cats, we can accommodate that as well. We have a separate transition room in the back, and that is specifically for our Shire residents that may need a little bit more time getting used to their new environment. So when they come out of intake quarantine, the ones who may not be quite ready for the big adult room will go into that transition room where their world is just a little bit smaller at the outset. And then they can come out of that room straight into the main adult room when they choose to do so. So and then we also have on site, we have separate intake and isolation rooms. Those are the only times that our cats are caged is when they first come in while they are being thoroughly vetted making sure that they're they're okay to go before we put them up for adoption, and then a separate isolation room for those with any communicable illnesses that need to be kept separate. So we are very, very big on keeping the spread of germs to an absolute minimum. We have very strict protocols, a lot of volunteers that are required to really make the whole show run. We have crews that come in morning and evening for cleaning and feeding, medication, and all of that to really take care of a lot of the hands-on cat care. And then we also have a brand new, well, brand new within the last couple of years to us, state-of-the-art surgical suite, which we've been able to utilize as well. So that's, and then up, we do have an upstairs, that's where we have our storage and our conference room and all that good stuff. So it's a beautiful facility. It's a bright facility. I call it my happy place all the time because it really truly is. We're able to offer programs in that environment that would not necessarily be as conducive in other environments, such as yoga with cats and reading to cats. But it's a facility that's really designed for the health, safety, and comfort of our cats, first and foremost. And just to get everything in perspective here, you know, how many cats do you take in during the course of the year? How many adoptions? What's your size like? Well, we ended 2019. We took in, I believe it was maybe around 475. We adopted out 463 last year. So that is our typical adoption rate. We're hoping to reach 500 for 2020. And we have approximately 100 cats in the shelter at any given time. Yeah, it looked like you had quite a lot of space. You know, it's very open and the rooms are wonderful. They're open, they're airy. It, based on my virtual tour there, it seemed like it was a really great environment for cats. And I'm excited to hear that there's a surgery suite. I don't think I saw that in the video. I assume that provides the surgery care for the cats that are in your care. Do you also provide services for the public at all? Well, not for the general public, but what we have been able to do is we put in a state-of-the-art surgical suite, which was completed in 2018, and that was initially used on a part-time basis for in-house care of our residents. But it started really being put 
to good use in 2019 with the hiring of a coordinator to manage it. And then we also brought in a high volume spay and neuter vet. So we began ramping up our in-house care even more and then began to pilot services for other rescues and TNR providers. So the super exciting news is that now we've gotten all of our ducks in a row. We started a pilot program for TNR in that latter half of 2019. And with being able to do that, the super exciting news is that we've gotten all of our ducks in a row and it's enabled us to absorb the Cobb County Community Cap Program from Best Friends here in Atlanta. Oh my goodness. So they have done outstanding work in helping Cobb Animal Services achieve no-kill status, and we're looking to help them sustain and further improve their save rate. It was 62% for cats in 2015, and in 2019, it grew to 94%. Yeah, so tell me about this community cat program. Well, we took over the Cobb County program on January 20th, and within a month, we had sterilized over 100 cats specifically in Cobb, and then another 36 from surrounding counties. So, and that's with devoting two days per week to TNR surgeries, and then we reserve one day for our own residents and other rescues, and then the final two days of the work week are devoted to dentals and regular in-house care. So what's so exciting for us is that we've now reached full utilization of our surgical suite and are really able to maximize it to its full potential. And while we have been solely focused on rescue for our more than 30 years of existence, we're now able to expand our mission to help community cats as well. So I would say it's a very hopeful time for animal welfare. Why do you think that you've been enabled to do that? Has it just been an increase in fundraising, you know, general growth of the organization, or was it a decision on the board to really focus on expanding with the hopes to continue to make impact, you know, in the surrounding communities? I call it a little bit of kismet. Best Friends started this program for Cobb County in 2016. And you know, at that time, their save rate was for cats was 62%. And way more dogs were entering the shelter than cats, but way more cats were being euthanized. So they have really put a large focus on these programs, especially given the fact that Georgia, we have the unfortunate standing of being in the top five of highest euthanasia rates still. So we really need some focus for that down here. And they've been able to provide a lot of that focus. But their focus is not to go in and run programs indefinitely, as I'm sure you're probably aware. So they really needed someone to take this program over. It was not ideal for them to turn it back over to animal services because they don't have the resources and the ability to continue that program. So this is where we entered. As we emerge from the global pandemic of COVID, fostering is emerging as the new normal in the animal welfare industry. But shelter management software doesn't provide the tools or the workflows for communicating with fosters at scale. So many organizations struggle to maintain hundreds of animals in foster homes. If only there was a system that was custom built specifically to solve this problem. Introducing Foster Space, powered by our friends at Dubert. Foster Space was custom built to allow you to manage hundreds of foster relationships and to communicate with them via text, email, and even Facebook Messenger. Your fosters have a portal where they can upload videos and photos and updates on their animals, and organizations can schedule fosters for meet and greets, adoption days, or anything else they need. There's so much more to check out. Sign up for free at www.dubert.com and go to the Foster Space tab to get started. 
Community Cats podcast and feline leukemia advocacy supporter Margaret Tompkins are thrilled to announce our first ever online feline leukemia educational day to be held on July 18th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. We will have a wonderful group of speakers sharing their expertise around feline leukemia. Planned speakers include Amy Kolbecker from Best Friends Animal Society, Dr. Julie Levy from the University of Florida, Brittany Foxhover from Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, Danielle Case from Treehouse Humane Society, Dr. Heather Kennedy from KC Pet Project, and Monica Friendin from Austin Pets Alive. I really hope you'll join us on July 18th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. To register for just $25, go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on on our virtual education tab and you'll be able to sign up today. Please join us. Please learn all that you need to learn about feline leukemia and make those adoptions happen. Once again, go to www.communitycatspodcast.com. Sign up today. We'll see you there. We worked with Best Friends to bring that program to us because we had a surgical suite that at that point was still not being used two days a week. So we had the extra capacity, they had the need. So it all really came together. And of course, funding is always, always a concern with any nonprofit and especially in animal rescue. That is a never ending issue that we're always dealing with. But what we did is at our 2019 gala, we made the focus of our what we call the fund and item portion really to focus on this TNR work that we want to do. And our donors were super responsive to it. That is one thing that really told me that we really have the public support for that. People want these TNR programs. They see these community cat programs working. They want humane and effective ways to deal with the cat overpopulation problem. So we were able to raise some fantastic funds through that. And then we've also been able to raise some additional funds through grants, which has afforded us the opportunity to take this program on. And so now it's just going to be a question of making sure that we plan accordingly and continue for that to be an ongoing program. So I know when we were talking before we hit the record button, you said that you have played a significant role sort of in the day-to-day operations of the community cat program, along with some other folks at the organization. What does a typical day, are you out there trapping or are you working with animal services and their trapping and bringing in the cats in? You know, how is that all being coordinated? When we first got into this, we didn't know exactly what we were going to need. So I'll say, you know, it was a little bit fly by the seat of our pants, although not not quite so chaotic, but we just didn't quite know exactly what we were going to need in a position. And I knew it would probably entail us eventually bringing someone on, which we will be doing. But my involvement in it has been really a lot of boots on the ground. I've gotten involved in the trapping. I've gotten involved in the complaint mitigation, really the entire process. And my role in that has been to help staff figure out what we're going to need to really make this program successful and what the management of it is going to entail. So if I'm going to be one of the decision makers in this, along with the rest of the board, I want to have that knowledge and really understand the ins and the outs and how this operates and what are the gotchas? What exactly are we going to need so that I can come from a place of knowledge and experience when passing this on to other stakeholders? 
So yes, I have been out there trapping. I have been out there fielding complaints, complaint mitigation. We go through a lot of education with the community and it gives a really fantastic perspective. What I find to be a great opportunity for outreach is I speak with a lot of people who they have issues. They have problems with with these cats creating nuisances on their property. Nobody wants that. I don't want that on my property. So there's certainly no way that I can expect anyone else to be okay with it either. But we have learned that it's crucial that we properly educate as to why the return component is so important, especially because a lot of what we deal with in complaint mitigation is that not everyone understands understands the return part. So it's super important for us to properly educate as to why that component is so important and that we make sure that we support the community, not only in the trapping and sterilizing, but also the follow-up, making sure that their issues are being resolved in a real way. And being on the front lines of a community cap program like that has really helped I know it's helped me and it's also helped my staff understand that we're not only there to help the cats, but also the people in our communities too. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been enlightening, but we're at the point now where I feel like we understand what it is that we are in need of going forward. So I will happily hand that over at this point. (laughs) And are you keeping track of your data in any specific way? Yes, we are, especially for the grants that we have. We are required to do that. We don't have data that we have to keep track of for really for government entities at this point for TNR. What we do have to do is we have to account for those ferals that we actually get from animal services because those are taken out under our shelter license. So we use shelter animals count. So just as for all the ones that come in under our care, they have to go out you know, we have to account for how they go out under our care as well. So those are actually handled in shelter animals count. But a lot of what we have and a lot of what we're focusing on is getting the community involved because we do have a staff, but we are still limited. We rely on a lot of volunteers to operate. And the more we can empower our community to get out there, trap a cat, bring it in for surgery, take it back home, keep it in your garage, do that night of aftercare and return it to its environment. The more we can get them engaged in that, really the better off that we all are, we can be more efficient and we can help more cats. So a lot of what we've got coming in is actually by appointment on our surgery days is we've got these members of the community, which I think is fantastic because you're getting buy-in from them and they care and they want to do this. It's a little bit of a thrill for me to speak with somebody who has never trapped a cat in their life, a little bit intimidated by it. They're not sure how to do it. We provide them with all of the education and information. We'll go through a lesson with them. They take those traps home and they bring them back to us with cats in them for surgery. And they are in a way a convert because they find out that it's actually, it's fun. It's fulfilling. There's something about hearing that trap door close when you know you got one. And then you think about all the litters you have just prevented. Right. With the close of that one trap. Yep. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it's good because it's also it's showing, you know, they want their cats back. They're taking more levels of responsibility about the cats. And obviously, it saves a huge amount of time and resources with the organization. Uh, if we all had to go out and trap the cats that we received calls for, it would be virtually impossible to cover all of those cats. Yes. The community needs to realize that this is the option that's available to them, especially if it's free. 
which in most yep. cases it is. And it's free is not free. I've, I saw an infographic recently about free not being free. You, know, you have to figure out about taking the day off from work. You got to figure out how to get a ride. You got to figure out all these other things, you know. And so it still may cost someone to bring a cat to a clinic, but yet at least we're doing the best that we can to make it as affordable as possible on our side. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So Elizabeth, if folks are interested in finding out more about Good Muse, how would they do that? We can be found at goodmuse.org. And we would also be delighted to have cat lovers follow us on Instagram at goodmusecats or on Facebook. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Really, just to touch on again, a plea for everyone to get involved at some level in supporting community cat programs. It takes all of us working together, and that's local officials, municipal shelters, rescues, and the community, because there's so much good that a community cat program brings, and not just to cats, but also the people. The less cats that we have entering shelters, the less cats are being euthanized, And that has a profound effect on the compassion fatigue that we experience in animal welfare. So I would encourage local rescues to begin thinking beyond just rescue because the cats who are not candidates for rescue need help too. We all want less cats outside, less cats dying, and less of all of us suffering. So get out there, trap a cat, pay for a surgery, donate a trap, educate your neighbor, whatever level you can participate at, just be part of the solution in any any way that you can. That's fantastic, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for sharing that. You've just sort of summed it all up in one statement there. So I appreciate that very much. So Elizabeth, I want to thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Maybe when you've got, you know, your 500 cat week of community cat spay neuter, some great campaign, which I can see coming in your in your direction. So yeah, thank you again. And I hope we'll have you on the show in the future. That would be fantastic. Thank you, Stacey. And for the listeners out there, I really hope you'll please consider sharing this podcast with others. The more people who can listen to these podcasts, the better off we're all going to be and better off the kitties are going to be in our communities. See y'all next week. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 